I want you to let's pray before I even talk about the scripture. We, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about, and then, then we're going to begin to read. But this week, the, a Father's Day message that I, that I have, the Lord has impressed me to, to share this today. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm confused. I just wasn't sure about that. And then the Lord let me know that, well, this has a lot to do with, number one, doing what I tell you to do, but also uh, people need to know this right now, and we don't know what three months from now will look like. And so I'm doing what I have been instructed to do, and that's all I'm doing. And I don't have to under, the Lord doesn't know me details. He doesn't know me explanations, Amen. He just will let me know if I don't do what he says to do. So I don't want to make that mistake today. So will you bow your head? And what I want you to pray about is God's anointing on me, but his anointing on you and all of us to hear and any distraction that Satan would try to bring against us or people online with us, that we just rebuke that and we pray that God's peace would be on all of us. Father, I come to you today because there's nothing more important than I can talk about, that I can talk about other than what's on these pages of this Bible right here. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to say it and anoint us to hear it. Any thought or any distraction, God, Lord, would you just take care of that right now because we don't want to distract and we don't need to be distracted, God, because it's Satan working in ways that we don't think that's Satan. So, Lord, Help us, and we just pray that we're able to, to grow in you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I'll tell you about some scripture in a minute, but I want you to understand something to begin with, and that being that I believe most people don't have a correct understanding of God. I'm t when I say God, I mean God. I mean God the Father when I say that. I think people don't really, we hear the term uh, or the phrase, God loves you, we hear that so much that it, it's kind of lost its, its pizzazz and, and it doesn't do for us what it ought to do for us. But I want to tell you and you today that God, Abba Father, God loves you. He loves you. In fact, before the cross, God loved you. God loved you so much that that's why there is a cross, because God loved you. God loved you at a, at a length and a depth that you really can't understand. You just have to know that God is love. You, you just have to accept it, that God loves me in spite of everything. We see a little bit of a picture with what a father and a son, and somebody that loves God and loves his son looks like when we look at Abraham and when we look at Isaac. But even then, God intervened, and he did not sacrifice his son, but he didn't do that with his own son at Calvary. That's because his love for you was so vast that he wanted to do what needed to be done so he could be intimate with you and you could be adopted into his family. 
That's what he said. And I know why we prayed that distracting prayer a while ago, and I hope people online are not getting distracted. But you've got to fight for this right now because he will steal this seed. Do you all hear me? That's without me walking and pacing the floor with the microphone in my hand and getting close to you if you're having trouble right now. I'm that serious, but God's more serious. So you need to do what you got to do to make sure you, you, this is not taken from you. Because I promise you, your phone or anybody or anything around you is not going to sow into you what we're going to read. It's not. It'll steal from you, but it won't sow into you. Everybody good now? All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God loves you and you and you and you. If he didn't love you, there's no way he would have allowed his son to leave heaven beside him and come to earth and be mistreated for 33 years and also be misunderstood. He wouldn't have done that, folks. But he did that because he loved you. And I'm convinced today that people don't know just how much the Lord God loves them and that's why we can't follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. If you understand how much God loves you, then, then you want to do this. And the Bible says this, that the Lord loved you enough and he made a way so he could adopt you when we're joint heirs and we're children. But he also wanted me to understand that he's all about giving. The Bible says in the second chapter of Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. And I want you to say this last part with me. It is the gift of God. See, God is the gift giver. He always gives us things we don't even ask for because they're so big. He's a gift-giving God. And so he did this. He gave you this gift so that he could have you back. Sin messed that up in the garden with Adam and Eve, and God could not stand that. He had to make a way, and he made a way with his own son so I could be restored and I could be back in this relationship that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. Now, the problem we have, folks, is most people that identify themselves with being Christians, they have, and you've heard this before, they have not a relationship with God, but they have a religionship with God. They do religious things, mean they are church attenders or they're givers or they're just good people in society and they might have a good name and all that. But all of those things does not make for a right relationship with the Lord. The only way that a man, and a lot of this is not anything new, but we might have some new believers or unbelievers, and I want to make sure they understand that a lot of people don't understand that still believe they're Christians. And that's this right here. The only way you can have a relationship and not a religion ship with Almighty God is you have to accept this free gift of salvation. You can't know about it. You can't know a lot about the Bible. You can't practice all the things. Religious people, people say, well, I'm not a Christian, but I'm very religious. Well, you're very on your way to hell. 
You cannot, you can't make it to heaven. You can't be one and one with Almighty God unless you accepted this gift of salvation. It's only by the grace of God. And we don't understand that term. A lot of people try to, but we don't understand God's grace. He gives you something that you don't deserve, but His love is so deep that He does it anyway in spite of you not even understanding it. That's what He said. Now, I'm in a relationship with the Lord. So I'm still on my way to hell. It doesn't matter 50 years in church, a great Sunday school record, a great tithing record. I'm always here to show up. I tell a quick story. I'll tell it again about uh, a lady I knew at Springfield. She wouldn't hurt a fly. She wouldn't hurt a flea. She was very prompt. She was a Sunday school secretary, sweet as she could be, but she was as lost as Marilyn Manson. And one day, one day, one day. Now, the relationship, man, it was picture perfect. But the relationship was missing. Well, how do you know that? Because I was there the day she testified that she gave her heart to Jesus. What? It's called relationship. Because people walk in churches, because people know worship songs, because people play Christian stuff, and do Christian duties in church doesn't make you one with the Father. You've got to go through Jesus. That means you've got to love Him. You've got to know Him. You've got to consume Him. He's got to be the defining factor of your life, and that's it. If you don't have that, you have religionship. And the Bible tells us this right here in the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Now, if you go there and you've made any marks in your Bible, you will say, well, Opie, you just preached about that a long time ago. And you know what it is? It was about uh, the wedding and the garment. Y'all remember that? Well, the Lord led me to that again, but I'm not really talking about uh, that in itself, the wedding and the garment and all that. But when I read verse 8 again of Matthew 22, this is what it says when he said, go, by, go out because nobody's coming to the wedding. Jesus is on his way back. But nobody is coming into the kingdom. People are thumbing their nose. Even people that are in a relationship with the Lord, they're still thumbing their nose. And so he tells the story. Jesus does it. And he said, when the king heard about this, he was furious. He said, you go everywhere and get them. Bring them in. And he said, when they did that, he got mad. And all the people that refused destroyed them and burned up their cities. But verse 8 said this. He said, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Man, that got me as much as anything's ever gotten me before. That one scripture, no, they were invited, but they were not worthy. Now, you and I probably would think, well, if they were invited, to be sure they ought to be worthy, Amen. But that's not what the Lord was. The Lord said, no, it don't happen that way. You see, the only way when God looks at you, you are his creation, but folks, so is a dog, a cat, a mammal, a whale, a rattlesnake, a tree, the clouds in the sky, the air you breathe. God created. In fact, he spoke and things were created. So God created man, but he created everything else. And when he looks at you now, 
and he sees you, that's why your past doesn't mean anything to God. When he looks at you, the thing that makes you work, it's not your ability, your talents, your money, your connections, what you've conquered, what you've done. When God looks at you, the Father that loves you so much, when he looks at you, he looks, and when he sees Jesus Christ inside of you, he says, that's my adopted child, and they're worthy to be a part of my family, and Worthy to be in my kingdom. Nothing else. It's not a religion ship. You can go to church until you're blue in the face. But if you don't know Jesus, when the God that loves you so much to freely give you this gift of salvation called Jesus, then you're up the creek when you take your last breath. You've got to be in a relationship so much that when God sees you, he don't see all the other things you're preoccupied with this life, but he looks at you and he sees Jesus Christ and that makes me worthy and nothing else I'll ever do makes me worthy. Nothing. Now, Jesus said this about his father in the 8th chapter of John. And he that sent me is with me. God didn't send him alone. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So the whole time Jesus was on this earth, hey, if you're under 18, I'm going to go to when he was 12 years old. He always, even at 12 years of age, he did those things that pleased the Father. All things, all the time, always, every day. And you know why he did that? Well, he was Jesus. He did that because he understood God's love for him and he understood God's love for you. And Jesus wouldn't have it any other way. There was no temptation Satan could ever offer him that would move him from that decision to always please the Father. And you might say, well, Opie, what in the world pleases the Father? Well, let me tell you this before we talk about what pleases the Father. See, when, when we don't please the Father, y'all are still here, amen? You know, we ain't got no err on today, so it, it's, it's like quiet. Okay. So, when we don't please the Father, what happens is we notice something wrong in our prayer life or our lack of prayer life. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3, explains it even better than I can. And whatsoever we ask, talking about the children now, not, re- not relationship people, relationship people. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. We do, we do. That's why people, I, I heard a story not long ago, three or four weeks ago, about someone just bragging about they know the Lord and all this other kind of stuff. There's no fruit on the vine, but they said they knew the Lord. And the thing about it is, is that when, when people tell you, or, or perhaps you, if you're under the impression that you are in a relationship, but nothing says that in your life, nothing says that in your life, 
and I don't mean you, you attend church when it's convenient and it doesn't interfere. I mean nothing. Nothing resembles Jesus Christ. Listen, what has happened, and I refer to the way of the master a lot, but there's some good things in, in, in a lot of that. And, and one thing that I learned is, is the Bible says, you know, you, you can't put any other God uh, in front of God, and you can't create or make an idol. And a lot of people in a religionship, that's what they do. They don't follow Jesus. They don't look like Jesus. They certainly don't sound like Jesus. And they don't have the attitude or the demeanor of Jesus. And so what they've done, they've created a Jesus and they think it's yours. This is what happens with Jehovah Witness, by the way. When they're talking about Jesus, they're not talking about your Jesus. They're talking about one they've created that fits their doctrine. Okay, and that's no different than anybody else. So don't give them a hard time because you're sitting around people you're people online, you know people or you are one that do the same thing. We make a Jesus that is fine with our choices. We, we create a Jesus that goes along with what we think or what we believe or how we live slouchy and loosely. And so we've created an idol. We are guilty of breaking one of God's main commandments of idol worship. And you know what? Those people that are in that type of relationship they will find themselves in a devil's hell one day. You still have to be all Jesus, and he can't just be something you say, I did a long time ago. I've got to know when I'm around you, there has been a transformation in your life, and it's undeniable. You can't help but look and sound and act and talk and treat other people like Jesus because he's taken over your life. And so what happened is, and whatsoever we ask, we, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. A lot of people could get out a lot of holes therein if you would quit pleasing yourself, quit pleasing other people, quit pleasing friends, Quit pleasing the world, quit pleasing the government, quit pleasing your employer, quit pleasing other church people. If you would just please God like Jesus, you would find yourself living on a whole different level than you've ever lived before. But the problem is the same thing they've always had in the Bible. Kings and rulers, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. They love the praises of man more than the praises of God. They love to be showboat, show glory, be what everybody looks at for 15 seconds. They like that, and so they forfeit getting prayer answered. And I don't know about you, but that's one forfeit I just cannot afford. I got a wife I love. I've got a daughter and a son-in-law. I got a grandbaby on the way. I've got a grandson. I've got a family. I've got a church family that I love that has all kinds of problems and issues and death and life and interruptions and all kinds of diseases that we face on a regular basis. I cannot afford to live a way that God will not answer my prayer when I pray. So I've got to make some disciplined decisions. I can't just pray sometimes and hold my breath and cross my fingers. You don't live in that kind of world. A lot of times 
You've got last minute decisions that have to be made. Amen? Yes, you do. And so the Bible says this. Whatever we ask, we receive of him. Now, it may not be packaged, and that's where a lot of people's probably, you're playing around on that, that acre of land right now. Well, that, that didn't happen. It don't happen. Listen, listen to me. I'm going to tell you what I said about me. God doesn't know us explanation. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray according to God's will. We believe God can raise the dead. We believe God can take the people that's about to die if that's his choice. But we don't neglect to pray, and we don't neglect to pray in faith, believing God. You do what needs to be done right now in the way you want to do it. You don't owe me a time. You don't owe me a way. You don't owe me a picture. I'm just giving it to you because I certainly can't do anything about it. So, God, here it is. You told me to cast all my care on you because you care. So, God, that's what I'm doing, and I'm backing up, and I don't need it to give proof to people that when I pray for them, this is what's going to happen. I just say I love you enough and I want to live and walk in a way like a believer so that when I pray, there's a great chance things might work out the way you think they're going to work out. But if they don't, God gets glory anyway. Now, so what pleases the Father, and I, I'm going to hurry because y'all might feel good, but this thing got hot up in here. Yep, it did. 1 John 3.23 says this right here. We're only going to talk about two. And this is his commandment, that we should believe, I just said this, on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. There you go. I underlined it in red here. Love one another as he gave us commandment. So see, we could probably just park the car right there in the middle of the six-lane interstate because we're not going to please God if we don't love one another. I just talked about this, you know, last week, Wednesday, week before. you got to love each other inside the house, and then you got to love each other inside the house of God. Hey, God can sniff out bitterness better than anybody. He can sniff, uh, sniff out if there's a, a, a motive that is not pure, God knows it all. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. God knows it, friend. And if we don't have love for one another, you damn the river up quicker like that than any other thing. You don't need to cry and wail and wonder, why don't God answer my prayer? You know why God don't answer your prayer. If you don't have one, love for one another as he commanded, he didn't suggest it. He didn't say it's a good idea to try it every now and then. He commanded it. He said, you got to love each other. As a matter of fact, there's no way you can love me that you have not seen. If you can't love your brother, you sit six feet apart in church. That's some deep preaching right there. Swim on down there and get some of it. You got to love. You can't fake it. Most people, most people, even though they don't know, you might call it intuition, but the real saved people, they've got a level of discernment about them, and they can tell if you're going to have them for dinner when you get home on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever. You can't fake love, friend. You know, we can feel love without touching each other. Amen? I can. 
The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Not only can we love one another and please God, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. So, when you speak the gospel, when you preach the gospel, in fact, I let Angie hear a song last night that, uh, we, we, as for me and my house, praise team's going to learn that. Uh, we don't know when, but we're going to learn that song because it is just, man, it is scripture like I've never heard it, and it's talking about walking in your house, declaring the word of God, praying the word of God. You let every ungodly thing fill up your house from video games to secular TV to things on the internet to things that come out of our own mouth. You need to let things that glorify God. I done done this, but I'm saying it again. You need to stand on the Word of God. You need to walk around declaring the Word of God. You need to sing the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You need to pray the Word of God. You need to memorize the Word of God because you make it difficult for the devil when you do those things and then he can't send his little imps after your children as much as he normally can because you've prayed over your house, you've prayed over the bedroom, you've saturated the kitchen and the living room and the bathroom, you've even walked around the outside of your house because there's fools in this world that would find it funny to kill you or your youngins and so you just take initiative and you walk on the word of God and you speak the gospel and the Bible says when you do that then you're fulfilling the commandments and you're pleasing God folks you're pleasing God so he's put the gospel in trust with me he's put it in in my trust and so since he trusted you with the gospel to invite people to church hey cat out the bag just about that much you can invite people to church if you think it's unsafe in here now you'll change your mind next week it ain't unsafe in here. All you got to do is look online. Just go to other churches. I've been to them. It's like you got a country mile around you compared to other places. But anyway, invite people to church. Share the word of God with people. Listen, I'm going to tell you. I don't know why I did this, but I, I, I brought this phone with me up here today. I don't want all them apps looking at But you see this right here. I think... I think that when people stand before God, praise God, them babies heard me. They started crying. But I really believe, I really believe that the Lord's going to hold cell phones in front of us when we stand in front of Him. Now, some of you will do okay with this. You, I mean, I didn't ask you to get a, a barrel and stand in the square in Laurenburg and preach. You wouldn't even text anybody a Bible verse. I mean, the gospel. See, because what my Bible reads right here is, but as we were allowed of God, God's given us permission to do this. Do you hear me? He gives you permission and he puts you in trust 
with this blessed book right here. I'm on the move, Caleb. So y'all better light it up in here, baby, because I'm about to roll, okay? So here's the deal. When God gives you this right here, it's not for your remote. I want you to do what preachers do on TV sometimes. Say amen. It's not for your coffee cup or your cup of tea. Amen. It's not even for other books to sit on top of. Amen. And it's not for you to lose and get dust on it until you find it later because all of a sudden you've got a crisis situation and you need to walk around your house with the Bible. Amen. So God's put this blessed book in your possession, in your possession, even on your phone. Amen. And so since he allowed you to have the Bible, the Word of God, the most holy thing you'll ever know or be able to speak. He allowed you to have that. And He put it in your trust. And when you speak this Word, when you share this Word, when you give people this Word, you don't care if they get offended. Amen? You're not trying to just... Praise God, baby. Lim, Lim, Opie loves you to death, baby. Mm. I want you to understand something. Out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it because of what just took place in this place. We are relocating all of these trees this whole section over here, the library is about to be turned into a full-fledged, functioning children's ministry center. All right? That right there, that right there is the reason. I wasn't going to tell the people because now people won't show up. So Reggie and Stephen and Robbie, y'all better just bring an eight-pack of V8. All right. They're going to let us own this bad boy now. And we, we don't have time, so see, we, we, we've got to hurry up. And, and if you'll just wait, and God, you know, he whipped me over there. He said, you know, the way things are right now, you, you, don't feel, you don't feel the liberty to say anything, do you? I said, God, you know me. And he said, well, it don't matter about times or seasons. You know, I still own you, and I own this building and this pulpit. So... We've got a small window to work in, and God has entrusted us with the gospel. We're going to put it in babies. If we can't get adults to grow up and come to church or share the gospel or pray or do it, I'm telling you, I've been doing children's ministry almost 40 years, and I'll go back to the babies because I know they'll do it. They'll shout. They'll sing. They'll tell friends. They'll even evangelize their mom and daddy. And we're going to work on everybody from six weeks to 18 years of age. Now, so we've, we've got a youth ministry, but we are about to put that on steroids too. You're going to have more room than you've ever had. Don't want to let a whole lot out of the bag about all of this stuff. But, but God's working and he's moving and y'all have to understand, I have to do what the Lord says on the spot. So this is what he wanted me to tell you today. Children, obey your parents.
Colossians 3.20 says? In all things. So parents, you've got to live it in front of them if that's what you want them to obey. One of the worst things a parent can do and ignorant things is make and tell a child to go to church while you sit at home or go do other things. That's ridiculous. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So see, even children, even children, even children can please the Lord. Now, today, I didn't know this was going to happen like this, but I want to explain this to you in closing. But my daddy and my uncle Donnie are here, and this was already planned out. But when you learn how to please God, you will want to live like Jesus. If you don't understand God or understand how much He loves you or a little bit, you won't spend a whole lot of your time that He's given you, by the way, to please Him. Now, my daddy loves oyster stew or oyster soup. All right? I even asked him yesterday before I knew he was going to be at church about how to make it. But he likes it. He even, he even will drink or eat camel's oyster stew if he gets bad enough or good enough. But you, don't, you want me to tell you what my daddy really likes? At Christmas, these things made out of chow mein noodles called haystack. They make them with chocolate, but daddy likes the kind that's got peanuts and even butterscotch in them. Now, about that time of year, Angie will say, Opie, I'm going to make your daddy some haystacks. I'm going to make some haystacks, and I'm going to make enough for your daddy because I know, I, know, I know he likes them. So if we don't have in the cabinet what is needed, she'll go to the store, or if she's making it and we just ran out, I'll run to the store, and, and we won't say, well, you know what? Oh, my phone's ringing. And, and not go get it or nothing. You know why? He's not asked for haystacks. He's not expecting haystacks. But we know that haystacks pleases him. Uh, we know that when he gets those haystacks, he's going to enjoy them. And what makes it even more is that somebody thought about him enough, and all the children do this in various ways, and I know you do it, but somebody thought about him enough to without even telling him, prepare and give him something he likes. Church, do you hear what I just told you? Because God the Father loves you so much. If you understand how much love, all you got to do is realize that God really loves me because he sent a Jesus after me and he didn't have to do it. He did that. Now look, we don't do things. We don't serve. We don't give. We don't pray. We don't do things that please him, love one another so we can stay his son or we can stay his daughter or hope that he won't get mad at us. Nope, we just do it. It's an automatic reaction that a son or daughter just does automatically back to the Father because we love Him and we want to please Him. And when you love God like that, you're going to live like Jesus did. I'm going to ask you to stand up if you will.
A lot of people say, I struggle with living right. No, you are wrong. You struggle with not loving God. Because when you love God like you love the world or the things in the world, you are going to please God. You are. You're going to please God. You're going to do things. Oh, my goodness. You're going to wake up one day. It's not even going to be on your schedule or your itinerary. And you're just going to hit the ground. And in spite of a headache, or you're just going to lift up a hand and you're going to praise God anyway. I heard a pastor, and I've used this example two, two or three times. But the church that I always refer to in Charlotte is where Rick Hendrick and his wife attends. And I remember, or, or, or did, I don't, I don't know now with all this, but I remember the pastor talking about when that plane crashed. And I just shared this not long ago, but somebody may be new, and you need to be reminded of this. When that plane crashed that their son was on, and Tony Stewart's engine builder at the time, and other people from NASCAR was in, and the pastor and his wife got the call. They rode up to Lake Norman or wherever to their house, and when they walked into the room, walked into the room just getting the news, the mother was in the bedroom and she had her hands raised to heaven and she was crying, praising God, saying this, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you love God, you will praise God regardless of what's going on around you. You can't help it. You can't help it. You don't do it. We don't make haystacks because we're bribing daddy trying to get... We don't do these things God has laid out in his word. We do them because we love him because he loved us first and we just want to respond like that. And people get this all confused with work salvation and all that. It's impossible. You can't work. You can't do anything to get saved. You can't do anything to stay saved. But once you have met the God I'm talking about, not one you created that puts up with your mess that really doesn't exist. Once you have met this God and his son Jesus lives in your life and you realize I was unworthy when I was in sin, but praise God, I'm worthy now. You'll spend the rest of your life living to please him. Hallelujah. I want every person that's able to close your eyes, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to tell the Lord God in your own words, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me first. Thank you for loving me most. Thank you. God, and we come to you right now because we need, Lord, to know the love of God like we've never known it before. We need to receive the free gift of salvation, Lord. Lord, we need to allow you to work in our lives the way you want to work. We need to cut loose the strings of this world and we need to keep our minds fixed and focused on you, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that any person that's not a believer, God, they're not a believer, 
that they would, in the name of Jesus, accept this gift right now. If I'm talking to you in the building or online, you have to accept it. You can't just hear this message about it. You have to take it and you have to open it up and say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I once was lost, but praise God now because of you I am found. And he will do that. He'll wash everything away out of your life. And he will adopt you like I've said. He will call you his own. He don't mind. It don't embarrass God anymore to be identified with you. So God, forgive me of my sins. I'm going to devote the rest of my life to doing things that please you. I understand, especially in this cancel culture today I live in, I'm not going to please pretty much anybody else. But I am going to do all I can, Lord, to please you just because I love you. I'm still going to go to heaven if I don't please you at times, but I'm going to make it my aim, Lord. I'm not trying to qualify. I can't. You see, Jesus, I'm already qualified, Lord. So, Father, I pray over every home here that we would we would share, speak, read the gospel in our house, but outside of our house. We would play it in our cars, Lord. We would realize everything that doesn't glorify you is really harmful to us. Everything us, our children do it in homes and bedrooms, if it doesn't glorify you, there's an overwhelming chance. It's inviting evil spirits right into our house and into their cars. God... We can't, the devil is not playing around. And Father, I just pray you would bless and keep the people. Be gracious unto them. Make your face shine on them, Lord. And I pray that you would give that peace that passes understanding. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, before anybody leaves, if you got saved and you're in the building, on the screen, the people online can see the word saved, S-A-V-E-D. All you have to do is text that word saved to that number. Yeah, you got it right there, 910-400-1199. It'll get you started right now with help and material. Best of all, you'll have access to things that have to do with the Bible, and we will pray for you. So if you do that, or if you're on a computer, just put the word saved uh, in multitudeschurch.com slash saved. Hey, I want to tell you, as, as we prepare to go, I want you to do one, this is homework, okay? I want you to do everything you can to purge this week. I, I don't care if you're a teenager, if you're eight, year old, eight years old, you're 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever. I don't care in between. I want you to, to go into purge mode so you can go into please mode, all right? If you do it, I may not even, well, when we're together, I will, because it will be unmistakable. But listen, you will not believe how much better you, your family, your whole life will be. Satan will be mad and he will show himself and he will always 
give temper tantrums and all the mess he does. But look, you'll be able to fight that joker so easy because you don't care anymore. You'll hurt some borderline hurt somebody else's feelings just because you're pleasing God. Now they're going to cut some lights on and I want you to be praying this week because God's moving at a fast pace. He hadn't done this in multitudes in a long time or that I've detected it and that could be the problem. But he's moving now so if you're working, hey, I'm, I'm serious. Everybody look. I'm serious. If you can't come, I understand.